when I was a kid, I was told many of the, the Bible stories. I'm sure most of you were. I was told about David and Goliath. I was told about Moses and the Exodus. I was told about Jonah and the fish. Often when, when we hear Bible stories, often when we hear Bible stories, we tend to teach them as moralistic. We teach them as, well, when it comes to right and wrong, every Bible story is going to tell you, well, you need to do this and you don't need to do this. So when we, when we teach our kids, David and Goliath, we, we teach them, well, you do need to have faith and you don't need to doubt and, and then God can conquer your, your giants. And when we, when we talk about Moses in the Exodus, well, we, uh, you know, we start to talk to our kids about, well, you, it's important for you to trust God and it's important for you, you know, all these things and you don't need to do this, you do need to do this. And when we hear Jonah and the fish, we start to teach our kids, well, you don't need to disobey. Now, of course, all these things that we teach are good things, are they not? But where we miss the mark is when we teach the Bible stories as moralistic. In other words, when they teach you do this and you don't do this, we start to get the wrong idea about our God. In other words, we, we start to think that our God is, is more interested in rules... And we start to kind of get this picture that, well, he's a killjoy, and when it comes to the, the don'ts, he's really concerned about what we're not supposed to do, and when we do those things, he's just waiting up there, waiting to get us. And we see Jonah, and we think that just backs that right up. You know, Jonah was punished. But what we're going to see this morning, I think, is we're going to see more about God than we see about Jonah, because I think the book of Jonah speaks more about the character of God than it speaks about the prophet Jonah. And this morning, we're going to see specifically that Jonah 1 is about God's compassion, and indeed the whole book is. The whole book is about how God is compassionate to His people. That He's compassionate to outsiders who are not His people. That He's compassionate to everyone. And the, the main idea that we're going to see this morning, specifically in Jonah 1, is that God is compassionate, don't miss this, God is compassionate even when we disobey. Even when we disobey. As we just sang, grace that is greater than all our sin. Join with me as we read Jonah chapter 1, and if you would please stand as we honor the reading of God's Word. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was threatening to break up. Then the, mari the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone into the inner parts of the ship, and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said, 
What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we might not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation, and where do you come from? What is your country, and what, of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the, man, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Father, as we read your word this morning, as we read your word this morning, Lord, I pray that we would be transformed. Father, that we would not just see little moral do's and don'ts in Jonah 1, but Lord, we would see your character that we would see what the author actually was trying to convey to us, that you were compassionate. Lord, there may be people in here this morning that are running from you. And I pray that today they would see your grace. They would see your pursuit and that they would surrender. Father, there's people in here who don't know you and I pray that for the first time they would see how much they need you. That they would see your compassion, they would see your grace and mercy and would lay it all down. Father, I pray that we would, we would all get a clear glimpse of you because, Father, if we're honest, that's what we need this morning. We need to see you, Lord. And so, Lord, would you open the eyes of our hearts so that we can see you as you speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jonah 1, we see several, several lessons. Several lessons, and the first one is about us. And then the second two are about God. The first one is found in the, the first three verses there in Jonah. And that is simply that our nature is to disobey and flee. Our nature is to disobey and flee. Notice what it says there, that the Lord came to Jonah and said to him, Arise, go to Nineveh that great city, and call out against it. He called Jonah to go to Nineveh and to preach to the Ninevites. So what is Nineveh? Where is it at? Why is that such a big deal? Nineveh was the, a city in the Assyrian Empire. It was actually the capital city. And during Jonah's time, so when, when the Lord is speaking these words to Jonah, the Assyrian Empire 
was the world power. This was the world power. But they were known for their brutality. They were known for their conquest. They were known for being violent people. And so Nineveh, the capital city, of course, was especially brutal. Especially violent. When the Assyrians would conquer another nation, they would make fun of that nation's gods and say, look, our God has killed your gods. Just to further add to the the insult and the violence. So Jonah didn't want to go. Jonah didn't want to go. I think for, for two reasons. First of all, obviously, fear. Would you want to go to the Ninevites when they were known for that? Would you want to go to the Assyrians? No. Jonah knew what would happen to him if he were to go. But I think a second reason that often gets overlooked, we, we look at Jonah and say, well, he was probably afraid. But a second reason is actually probably resentment. I mean, think about it. He is a Hebrew. He knows what the Assyrians are capable of, and they are a heathen enemy. So Jonah does not want to go and preach to his enemy. He hates them. He probably does not like them very much. He does not want to preach to them. And so what does Jonah do? Jonah gets up. Does he go to Nineveh? No, he goes the other way to Tarshish. To Tarshish. And I, I want to just look at his disobedience for a second because I think we can learn a great deal about what it means to disobey. Notice his disobedience is actions, first of all. He got up and instead of doing what the Lord told him to do, he went the other way and fled to Tarshish. But don't miss, don't miss what the writer puts here for us to see. Notice that several times in this passage, he says that he was fleeing away from the presence of the Lord. Jonah's disobedience was not just an action, but you need to see the motivation behind it. Jonah was seeking to flee away from his God. Disobedience at its heart is not just mere action, but it is a a willful desire to distance ourselves from God. And it says several times that he is fleeing away from the presence of the Lord. He was wanting to forsake God. You know, we can't just look at Jonah and say, well, that's Jonah. We have to realize that his problem is ours also. And that that story of Jonah, although the circumstances may be very different, his disobedience probably sounds pretty familiar to us because if we're honest with ourselves, this is not just describing Jonah's nature, but it's describing ours as well. Our nature is is to go astray. Our nature is to run from God. How do we illustrate this? What's an example? And I'm sure we've probably pictured somebody like this, but especially if you're a Sunday school teacher, maybe you have seen somebody in Sunday school, and as they grew up, you know, they they were just showing a a passion for God. Maybe in their, their childhood days, you know, most people couldn't answer the question, but maybe this one kid, he could really answer the question. He really seemed to know his stuff. And as he, as he grew a little bit older, his passion for God just seemed to blossom. And you're thinking, man, God is really going to use this person. And then as he goes on into his uh, adult years, as he gets into high school and then into college, you see a complete 180. 
You see somebody who runs away from God, who doesn't want to have anything to do with God. And then after years of running, after years of God pursuing, finally, he surrenders to the Lord. He surrenders to the Lord. You know, maybe that's some of you in here today. Maybe there's some of you in here and you're running from God. And you don't really have to, you know, I don't have to spell it out. You know, you know, I'm running from God. And if that's you, I would encourage you, based on what we're seeing in Jonah, realize that you need to lay it down and surrender. You are pursuing futility. You are pursuing emptiness. When we run from God, the source of true joy, all that's left for us is emptiness. We think when running from God and pursuing other lesser pleasures, we think that we are going to be happy. We think this is the direction that we need to go. But just like Jonah, we're not just committing actions that God says don't do. We're not just disobeying with our actions, but in actuality, when we are running from Him, we are fleeing from the presence of the Lord. Fleeing toward futility. And, and God is calling to Jonah... And God is calling to you as well. Stop running. Lay it down. Surrender. Maybe if you're here this morning and you're not running, and you say, you know, that's not really me. If you're a Christian and you say, you know, I'm not really running from God. I think that I'm living my life in submission to Him. Well, how does, how does this possibly apply to us? And I, I think when we realize that our nature is to disobey, we need to realize that we have to depend on God to not rebel like this. We've got to realize that we don't have this thing all together. That we need God every day to keep us or we would run away just like Jonah. And that it's only by God's grace that we don't flee away from the presence of the Lord. It's only by God's grace that we don't run away from God. You know, I, I think a lot of times for Christians, an unhealthy view that we take is we say, you know, I've got this. I've got this. I'm not going to run from the Lord because I've got this thing, Christianity, figured out. I'm strong enough, I'm not going to do the thing that Jonah did. I'm not going to run from the Lord like I've seen other people do. But a healthy Christian, a growing Christian, doesn't say that, but a, a healthy Christian would say, no, if not for the Lord's grace, I would be doing the exact same thing. If not for the Lord's grace, I would be running. A healthy Christian says in the words of the hymn that we often sing, I'm prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. I'm prone to leave the God that I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. We've got to realize, we've got to realize that we are prone to wonder. We are prone to disobey. And we need God's help every day. We need to lean on His grace every day or we will be doing this exact thing. We see our nature. The second thing we see is God's nature. And God's nature is to pursue with grace. To pursue with grace. He flees away from the presence of the Lord and then verse 4, but the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. Now I've got a question and I think this is very relevant. I think this gets at the heart. When, when I look at this passage, the first thing I think, is this punishment or is it pursuit? 
Because when we were taught this story as a kid, we were taught this story as God punished Jonah, and he hurled the great wind like he's just, you know, he's, as one movie puts it, the mean kid on the anthill with the magnifying glass waiting to get us. And finally, Jonah stepped a toe out of line, and God is going to get him. And teenagers, let me tell you, I, and, and young people, I realize that, and I, I'm in your boat, and not very long ago, I was in your shoes. Christianity, as you get into college and as, as you start to experience other, other ideas out there, if Christianity to you, if all it is is a set of do's and don'ts, then your Christianity is going to crumble when it's faced against other ideas in the world. Because Christianity, listen, is not about do's and don'ts. Christianity is not about rule keeping. Christianity is about knowing God. And let me tell you, what we're going to see about God here is that God is not just some great accountant who's keeping track of which rules you break. And so, what we see here is God not punishing Jonah, but we see God pursuing him. We see God's compassion on display. God brought the storm, yes. He appointed the fish, yes. But He did it. You've got to see why He did it. To bring Jonah back from his rebellion. To bring Jonah back from his rebellion. And so let me just say this. If you, if you are encountering God's discipline, or if you are you know, about to encounter it, we're all going to encounter it at some point if we're Christians. Don't become bitter. Don't become bitter because God is not punishing us. God is disciplining with love. God is disciplining with love. And notice here in the, the passage as we look at God's character, we see the lesson behind it all. God pursues His disobedient children. God pursues His disobedient children. And notice all the, all the way through here how God is in control. Notice that. Notice that these things don't just happen to Jonah. But the text is very clear that God did it. Notice in verse 4, the Lord hurled a great wind. In verse 7, they, the, the sailors were casting lots and the lot fell on Jonah. The Lord caused it to fall on Jonah. And then in verse 17, the, to me the, the clearest way, and the Lord appointed a great fish. All along this journey, God is appointing the things that happen. He is in control of the things that happen. These things aren't just happening. These things aren't by accident. God is appointing this to happen. And what we see through this is that God is pursuing. God is pursuing. And God will take notice. He will take any measure that it takes to pursue His children and bring them back. Even for Jonah, if it takes being swallowed by a fish. Even if it takes Jonah the pain of being in the fish three days and three nights. God is going to pursue His people. He's going to pursue us. And He's going to keep pursuing us until He has us. You know, to me, the most encouraging thing about my faith is to know that I'm not just holding on to God, but He's holding on to me. That He will not let me go. That I can run as fast as I want to away from him and he's going to go after me. He's going to pursue me. He's going to bring me back. God pursues. He is a pursuing God. And you know, Jonah is just a foreshadow 
of God's pursuit. It would be a shame if you just look at Jonah and, and leave it there. But you have to see the trajectory that things are going on in the Scriptures, that this is a foreshadowing of an event that was to come. That God's pursuit of Jonah, ultimately we would see God's pursuit of His people at the cross. Ultimately, we see a greater picture of God's pursuit. That God would not just merely orchestrate a situation, but God would actually send His Son to die. He would send His Son to die. And so, when we look at God's pursuit, Christian, you should take heart knowing that we cannot sin beyond God's grace toward us. That we're not going to one day disobey so much that God says, I've had it with them. But as we just sang, God's marvelous grace is greater than our sin. It goes beyond our sin. And when we see the cross, we see God saying, I'm going to pursue you, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to have you. And so we're not going to out God's grace. We're not going to go beyond. He's not going to leave us. He's not going to forsake us. He's not going to say, well, He's just gone too far now, so I'm done. But He will have us. He will take us. He will pursue us. And He will cleanse us. I love an old quote by a Puritan, uh, Richard Sibbs. He says, there is more mercy in Christ than sin in us. There's more mercy in Christ than there is sin in us. And we see that in God's character right here in Jonah. That God is a pursuing God. God is a pursuing God. And you know, you might be here this morning. And you may need to hear that. Because you may think that you have run and run and run but I want you to see that God is running after you if you're His child. He is running after you. Christian, our tendency is to run away from the Lord, but it's God's tendency to go and get us and bring us back. Non-Christian, if you're here today, let me just say to you, this is the God that we serve. This is the God that we serve, a God who is compassionate, a God who when His people when his people stray, he goes and brings them back. He's a shepherd. When we like sheep go astray, he takes his staff and brings us back on to where we need to be. If you're not a Christian today, we look at this, this message of God's pursuit at the cross and we invite you and say, look, you come and lay down your burdens at the cross. You come and lay down your sins and he will have you. You come and, and, and stop pursuing Stop pursuing your identity in the world. Stop pursuing your identity in all the things that you're turning to to satisfy you and turn to Christ. Find your identity in Him and let Him bring you joy. Come and, and, and lay it all down at the cross and receive His forgiveness. We see God's nature, which is to pursue us, to be compassionate towards His disobedient children. Finally, we see that God, God uses even our disobedience to bring about His purpose. God uses even our disobedience to bring about His purpose. You know, as we go through the story, we often miss one of the greatest parts of Jonah 1. We focus so much on Jonah that we forget about the sailors. In fact, very little is said about the sailors. 
When you think about Jonah, when you were told the story as a kid, or maybe as you have read it, usually we just glance right over those guys and we just go on to him and the fish and, and him and Nineveh. But don't miss the sailors. Don't miss the sailors. Notice that God spares their life. Notice that God saves them. And we see that what, what, in what's going on here. The sailors come to Jonah. He tells them about who he is. And they come to him, well, what, what should we do? Jonah says, you need to throw me overboard. And then the sailors, of course, they don't want to do that. That's murder. They don't want to be responsible for this man's death. So what do they do? They, they, go, to the, they go to the oars and they start rowing. Now, I just want to say, these guys right here, they're probably not their smartest idea. Probably not their smartest idea to start trying to row. Because here Jonah is, and Jonah says, Look, I serve the God who made the sea and the land. I serve the God who brought this storm on the sea. And then they start trying to outrow. It is the sailors versus God. I, I guarantee you, God is going to win every time. Every single time. And they finally realize that how futile it is to try to row. And so finally, they do what only they know to do. And that is what Jonah tells them. And they throw him overboard. But notice, God doesn't just save the sailors' lives. But I believe He saves their souls. Because notice, these pagan sailors turn from their idolatry to the true God. They turn from their idolatry, their pagan worship, to the true God. And notice that the, these, gods, when, when these guys, when, when the wind comes, when the storms come, what do they do? They start calling out to their gods. And then Jonah's sleeping down below, and they go to Jonah and they say, Look, are, are, you, are you crazy? Why don't you wake up and call out to your God? Maybe your God will help us. Maybe your nation's God will come to our rescue. Whatever it takes, maybe our God's will, maybe your God's will, maybe just one of them will hear us and save us. These are polytheist pagans worshiping idols. And I want you to see what happens after all this transpires. They throw him overboard, and the text says in verse 16, the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. God takes sailors who are pagans, who are worshiping idols, who are not of the people of God, and He brings them to a point of transformation where they acknowledge that He is the true God. Now, why is all this important? Why is that relevant? It's relevant because all this is happening because of Jonah's disobedience. All this is happening because of Jonah's disobedience. God uses even the worst of Jonah to save these sailors. And we need to see the compassion of our God. Our God is compassionate. He's merciful. He's gracious. And He can use even our sin, even our disobedience, to bring about more of His grace. He saves these sailors. He uses even Jonah's disobedience to bring this about. And let me tell you, you need to be shaped. We don't need to just see this and glance over it. You need to be shaped by God's compassion. And you need to see that even in, at your weakest point, God can still use you. Even when you are, are running from God, God can still bring that for good. His purposes are good and compassionate, and He will bring them about. Now, I also want to say a warning. I also want to say a warning, okay? Don't think, listen, 
don't think that because God is sovereign and in control and good, that you can run and do whatever you want. Don't say, well, if God's going to use His purposes for any way, no matter what I do, then I'll just do what I want to do. That's not very smart. That's not going to end well for you. Yes, God can use your wickedness for His good to bring about His purposes, but it's not going to end well for you. Don't presume on God's grace. Don't presume on God's grace. What do we see in Jonah 1? We see that our nature is to run from God. Our nature is to run from God. It's time to stop running. It's time to surrender. Second, we see that God's nature is to pursue us with grace. That God pursues His children. That we don't have to worry about whether we're going to out His grace. And finally, we need to realize that God uses even our disobedience to accomplish His purposes. As we look at God's Word this morning, we don't need to just leave here. God's Word deserves a response. If you're here this morning and you're a Christian, I invite you to respond in this way. If you're, maybe if you're a Christian and you are running from God, I invite you this morning to stop running. And maybe for you, that looks like you coming down and maybe praying at the altar, praying where you are, taking me by the hand, saying, pray for me. But just acknowledge before God today. Confess your, your running away from Him and say, Lord, I want to surrender it all today. Lord, I want to stop running. And I promise, He will have you. Human nature is, when we sin, we want to run from God. We want to turn away from God. Because we think, well, when we sin, He's not going to have us. But actually, the opposite is true. When we sin, we need to run to God for forgiveness and healing. Maybe if you're here and you're not a Christian, if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, for you, responding to, to this passage that we see would be you laying it all down for the very first time and saying, I'm going to follow Christ. I'm going to repent of my sins. I'm going to trust Christ. I'm going to receive His forgiveness. I'm going to begin a relationship with God. I'm going to go from death to life. I'm going to experience the joy that you're describing. If that's you, for you, for you responding, it would look like you getting up in a moment when we sing and coming down and saying, I want this. I want this. But for the rest of us, for the rest of us, maybe you're not running from God, maybe you're not, you're not going to say, I'm not a Christian. Well, how do you respond to this? I'd say you need to rejoice. If you're a Christian, and maybe you're not running from God, maybe you're saying, I'm, 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 me and the Lord are doing just fine right now. I'm walking with the Lord faithfully. And if that's you, I would encourage you to rejoice. Realize God's character. And let His pursuing love envelop you and worship Him for it. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank You. We thank You, Lord, that You are compassionate and gracious that you're slow to anger you're abounding in steadfast love 
And Father, we often go astray. We often say like Jonah that we want to go our own way. We want to flee away from your presence. But Father, help us to see more than Jonah's disobedience. We see you're pursuing love. And God, I know I'm thankful for your pursuing love. Lord, I think of all the times that I've failed you. I think of all the times that I've ran. And Lord, I know there's other people in here who are the same way. But God, I'm so thankful for the fact that you did not give up on me. You did not say, well, he ran for me, so we're done. You didn't look at my faithlessness and let me go, but Lord, you pursued me. Lord, you pursued me when I was in my sin. You pursued me at my worst. I pray, Lord, that we would see, that we would see you as you are and that we would worship. Forgive us, Lord, for where we do go astray. And help us to be faithful in Jesus' name.